Um, hello, everyone. Be very welcome. My name is João Martins, and it's a great pleasure to be with you all here at this ISF Connect. Today, we have uh, with us three distinguished colleagues, Tim Fletcher, Stephanie Benny, and Dirk Mikronin. Our colleagues are going to share with us their experience and insights uh, of possible pathways for meaningful physical education research and practice. Tim, Stephanie and Dirk, we want to thank you very much for being with us today in this Coffee with Colleagues and for your uh, prompt answers and availability. Uh, before giving the floor to you, uh, I will present you briefly. Tim is Associate Professor in Physical Education at Brock University in Canada. His research interests are in teacher learning and pedagogies for teaching meaningful physical education, often using self-study of teacher education practice methodology to conduct his research. He co-hosts a website and a blog uh, focused on pedagogies of meaningful physical education for practitioners. Stephanie is a postdoctoral researcher at Norwegian School of Sport Sciences in Oslo, Norway. Her research interests lie primarily in understanding the ways young people experience meaningful physical education and in identifying practical tools by which physical education teachers can help to foster meaningful experiences for students. In addition, Stephanie enjoys studying her own practice and the process of supporting teachers in their professional learning. Dirt is a physical education teacher educator at elementary primary level at Mary Immaculate College, University of Limerick in Ireland. Her research focuses on experiences of children and young people in physical education and sport. This has led her to explore self-study and visual methodologies to pursue pedagogies related to meaningful experiences. Before giving the floor to our colleagues, I remind all that during the presentations, anyone can write and leave their questions in the chat. In the last part of this ISEP Connect, um, I will bring some of those questions to Tim, Stephanie and Dirk and we can all debate and learn together. Team Stephanie and Dirge, the floor is yours. Thank you. Great, thank you. Someone can just give me a thumbs up when you can see my slides full screen, that would be great. Excellent, thank you. Yeah, well, hello everyone, perfect. Welcome and thank you so much for attending this webinar on Meaningful PE. And a very big thank you to ISEP for the invitation, specifically to Mark, Cassandra, and Joelle for promoting the event, coordinating everything to make this happen. I will, I'll skip any introductions since that's already been done very thoroughly, so thank you for that. For our presentation today, we've used the title Trailblazing and Waymarking, Possible Pathways for Meaningful PE Research because it serves as a metaphor for us about how we've gotten to where we are with meaningful PE, while also thinking about some possible ways forward. Sometimes the path has been and will be quite clear, while at other times there have certainly been forks in the road or even dead ends. We are all also uh, keen hikers, so hiking in nature serves as one of our personal playgrounds for movement. So of course there's also some personal meaning that each of us have with the hiking and pathways metaphor. Today, we're gonna to begin by sharing some background information on research on meaningful experiences in PE that's brought us to this current juncture. And we're gonna have a look at a new avenue for meaningful PE research and practice where Deirdre will introduce the Meaningfulness in Youth Sport Project, as well as an extension to Meaningful PE and Teacher Education or our LAMP project. And finally, Tim will conclude with our hypothetical top 10 research questions going forward in Meaningful PE. So to provide a quick background, our first major project focused on meaningful experiences came from Deirdre and Tim wanting to develop and articulate pedagogies that they could use as teacher educators to support pre-service teachers in learning to prioritize meaningful experiences 
for the students they would teach in their future classrooms. I was one of those students very early in the project. Over time, Tim and Deirdre were able to come to a shared understanding of things that they could do to support pre-service teachers learning about prioritizing meaningful experiences. And these were shared in the form of two main papers, one on pedagogical principles that support pre-service teachers learning about meaningful PE, and one that analyzed pre-service teachers' articulation of their learning. From this work with pre-service teachers, we were encouraged to expand this into school settings. This began with myself and Kira Griffin, at the time both of us graduate students and part-time teachers, experimenting with and adapting some of the ideas from the original LAMP project. Our findings informed a preliminary set of principles that shaped the intentional development or blueprint of the meaningful PE approach. We've also recently completed a two-year study with two cohorts of teachers in Canada and a smaller sample of exemplary teachers in Saudi Arabia. We'll share some insights from these works throughout the presentation. Our preliminary ideas about the meaningful PE approach were recently published in this book, which includes some first-person case studies written by teachers who've tried to use it in school settings, myself included, as well as some teacher educators who've taken the ideas from the original LAMP project and used those with pre-service teachers. In turning our attention to the substance of the meaningful PE approach and LAMP, we see the main idea being the development of an approach to physical education, where the facilitation of meaningful experiences for learners is the prioritized filter for pedagogical decision-making. So meaningful experiences becomes the focus for teachers and the hinge upon how decisions are made from planning through to instruction and In terms of justifying or providing a rationale for a focus on meaningful experiences, we're drawn to the ways in which meaningful experiences can enhance an individual's quality of life. So it's not just about playing more or doing better, it's about the quality of these experiences, the relationships, the feelings, the playfulness, the emotional attachment, and the ways that all of these things make our lives go better. A convenient byproduct of this is that these types of experiences, those that are intrinsically motivating, which can include meaningfulness, are also more likely to lead to lifelong participation when compared with more extrinsically motivating experiences. So stemming from this brief rationale for meaningful experiences, Tim and Deirdre's very recent publication in PESP outlines the first real attempt at conceptualizing meaningful experiences and considering how that conceptualization can inform the selection of appropriate pedagogy. In terms of conceptualizing meaningful experiences, we need to define two main terms, meaningful and experiences. In thinking about the term meaningful, we borrow Kretschmer's definition who drawing from the work of Eleanor Matheny, defines a meaningful experience as that which is full of personal significance. Recent advances in positive psychology also suggest that meaningfulness has three main components or elements. There's a motivational element related to purpose, an emotional element related to feelings of significance, and a cognitive element that's related to coherence and the linking of experiences. This idea of coherence is also evident in how we conceptualize this term experience. We draw from Dewey who talks about experiences as consisting of two key aspects, interaction and continuity. So interactions can occur with a variety of things, whether it be people, artifacts, culture, environment, equipment, the rules and so forth. And the significance or meaning of these interactions is then understood through reconciling them with the past, present and future experiences, and thus representing this idea of a continuity of experience. Importantly, a meaningful experience is not necessarily a good experience. Something that's meaningful can certainly be negative, harmful, and so on. Of course, we want to focus on prioritizing those experiences that are positive, and we would call these educative, in that they promote further seeking of similar experiences in the future. 
So we'll now move on to consider how some of these ideas inform an outline of the meaningful physical education approach. As we said earlier, the main idea or objective of meaningful PE is to support teachers and coaches in placing meaningful experiences as the main filter for their decision-making. In turn, we hope that uh, by learners becoming aware of what they find meaningful and maybe even meaningless, that they're able to advocate for themselves and, and others um, and seeking further opportunities for participation as they see these experiences as life enhancing. In our view of the main overarching purposes of PE as being democratic transformation, we felt that meaningful experiences are best facilitated by teachers using pedagogies that could be considered democratic. So for example, things like autonomy support, engaging students in decision-making, as well as reflective pedagogies. So uh, opportunities for goal setting and a variety of different types of reflection. These approaches seem to work well in that they're informed by the conceptualization of meaningful experiences that we've discussed previously. And there's evidence that these pedagogies help to facilitate experiences that students describe as meaningful. So what does that mean? It means that they help students to interact positively with others, to have fun, to experience optimal levels of challenge, to develop motor competence, and to see that what they're learning is personally relevant. Knowledge of these features can help students to become aware of what they find meaningful and support teachers in generating discussions about these and other things that are not on this list that could be described as meaningful. So to be clear, we see this list as a really great starting point rather than an exhaustive inventory of what typically constitutes a meaningful experience in PE. And evidence of these features of meaningful experiences is reported in our 2017 review of literature in Quest. So I'll now just briefly provide a little bit of evidence to support the meaningful PE approach to this point. So as I referenced earlier, the pilot work from my classroom uh, is published in European Physical Education Review and in Sport Education and Society. And the pilot work from Kira's classroom is available in PE Matters. All of these papers are freely accessible on the Meaningful PE website and we'll share the reference or sorry, the link for that later. We've also recently had the opportunity to work with Andy Vasily and colleagues at Kaust School in Saudi Arabia. At first, Andy was aiming to prioritize social interaction and personal relevance with a, a sort of a smaller prioritization on challenge. However, as they progressed through the unit, they found that challenge became more central to a lot of their pedagogical decision-making. They found that prioritizing challenge better allowed them to frame tasks and discussions around motor competence, personal relevance, and even social interaction. Together, teachers and students were able to transfer their understanding of challenge to other parts of their lives, making it more relevant. Um, so the tweet that we're sharing here comes from the student's classroom teacher, actually, who's using this challenge skill that was developed in PE to help students identify their level of challenge with problems in math. More details from Andy's implementation of meaningful PE can be found in the Journal of Teaching and Physical Education, and again, on our website. So following these examples of individual case studies of teachers implementing meaningful PE, focus for us has shifted to larger sample sizes while still keeping them small because we're interested in talking with teachers to understand what they would change in meaningful PE and thus necessitating qualitative approaches. Our latest published work involves five classroom teachers in Ireland, as well as 12 classroom teachers, mostly PE specialists in Ontario. The main findings from this research pointed to three primary factors that influence teachers' implementation of meaningful PE, including uh, the teacher's prior beliefs and experiences and how meaningful PE did or didn't align, the teacher's perceptions of how their students were responding to the implementation process, the variety of external organizational pressures, things like, of course, time, money, and unsurprisingly, COVID-19. So this research has provided support for the use of meaningful PE, both with classroom and specialist teachers. It also highlighted the potential value of 
beginning with a vision exercise when engaging teachers in learning about implementing meaningful PE in their classrooms. So providing an opportunity to compare their current vision and philosophy for physical education with meaningful PE and looking for areas of alignment and misalignment. Um, this research has also highlighted the need to support teachers through the implementation process, particularly in learning to, to implement those democratic and reflective pedagogies. And lastly, it's demonstrated the need for longitudinal research in diverse contexts, as well as the need for understanding students' perspectives on the meaningful PE approach. And with that, I will pass it to Deirdre to provide some insight on new trails. Thanks, Steph. Can you hear me okay? Great. Um, good afternoon, everyone, and many thanks to ISEP for inviting our team to be a part of um, this uh, very prestigious seminar series. We're delighted to be here. Um, there are a number of new directions that our research related to meaningful PE is taking us at present, uh, looking at children's experiences, looking at early childhood settings, looking at curriculum and policy, looking at youth sport, and looking a bit more at uh, PEAT contexts. Um, what I plan to do in this uh, short session is to give you a brief overview of two projects that we're engaged in right now to get give you a sense of what we're exploring and uh, our latest thinking in the area. The first project that I'll share with you is based in a youth sports coach setting, and it's called the Mind Project. And the second is based in Pete, and it's uh, an international community of practice related to land. So the, the MICE project is an Erasmus Plus uh, funded network. The partners in the network come from Ireland, Norway, Macedonia, or North Macedonia, Scotland, and Canada. And alongside those main partners, there is a club uh, partner in each of the contexts too. The participants, many of whom you will be familiar with uh, as part of the ISAF family, include experts or people with experience around meaningfulness. So Richard Bowles and myself from Mary Mackle College and Tim Fletcher from Brock University. In terms of youth sport, uh, Bard and Mats from uh, the Norwegian context and Biljana from North Macedonia. And finally, uh, adding their expertise around professional development are Nicola Kars and Paul Macmillan from the University of Edinburgh. We have three main purposes in the project. First, to identify and develop uh, pedagogies of meaningfulness in youth sport for children between the ages of six and 12. Secondly, to facilitate collaboration between volunteer coaches or parents working with these young people and academics to refine those pedagogies. And thirdly, um, to provide opportunities for the academics and these coaches and volunteer parents to share their learning experiences. The kinds of activities that we're involved in are transnational project meetings, uh, developing resources such as a menu of pedagogies or a series of blogs and, and ultimately a, a written open access educational resource. And then we hope to extend the project to a multiplier event. So far, we have developed a menu of, a menu of pedagogies, which our partner coaches are currently exploring and trialing in their own local context. So the kinds of ideas involved in this menu of pedagogies include ideas around knowing the individual participant, uh, building a sense of belonging to the culture of the sport, consideration of balanced approaches to competition, implementation of positive pedagogies, and finally promoting reflection um, as part of the coach's practice. So this project is currently kind of at a midpoint and will continue until June 2023. So there's lots more learning to happen. Um, 
and to follow the project and um, to access resources as they're um, developed. Um, this is the webpage and we have a Twitter uh, account that you can follow also. The second project I'll share with you briefly is situated in Peat. And as Steph mentioned, it's an extension of the LAMP project. The group is an international community of practice um, based on our shared interest in meaningful PE. Uh, we are using collaborative self-study methodologies to guide our actions. We're hoping to develop a shared repertoire of resources uh, based on our experiences and stories and maybe tools for action. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is to articulate how to go about teaching teachers to prioritize meaningful experiences for young people. The overall COP includes 12 members from different parts of the world. And we have divided into three teams based on the interests of the participants. A team focused on social justice, a team focused on democratic pedagogies, and a team focused on meaningfulness in peace. Again, uh, many of the, the names that you see in the slides or the membership includes a number of people from within the ISEP family from different parts of the world. Exploring social justice uh, and its connection to LAMP are Carla Legretti, myself, Cassandra and Declan Hamblin from the UK. Uh, looking at democratic practices, there's Tim Fletcher, uh, Christy Malley uh, from the US, Hayley Morrison from the University of Alberta, and Luisa Lana Gonzalez from uh, Brazil. The third group, uh, which is focused on meaningfulness in peach practices, uh, includes Alex Becky from the UK, Mats from Norway, Dylan Scanlon from Dublin City University and Jordan Wintel for also from the UK. So you can see we have participants from different parts of the world. Just to give you an example of the kind of work that we're exploring, um, the team looking at social, social justice um, and LAMP, which is Cassandra, Carla, Declan and myself, the research questions that, that is guiding our work is, what is the relationship between social justice and learning about meaningful PE in PEAT? And to explore that, uh, we're using a self-study frame um, and the evidence we're using are things like our planning documentation, uh, reflections we write after our teaching episodes, data that we collect from our students about their experiences, uh, recorded critical friend discussions uh, with uh, another individual within the team, and then whole group discussion meetings where the four of us meet um, and talk through our experiences to compare them um, and also to challenge and question and extend our understanding. And then our smaller team shares our learning back to the overall COP and to make sense of how that fits with other people's experiences. As a second example, the second team um, is Haley, uh, Louisa, Christy, and Tim. And their research question is, how do we understand, articulate, and enact democratic practices in PEAT? And similarly, they're using a self-study frame to interrogate this question and using sources such as, again, individual reflections after teaching episodes, responses from critical friends. They have their team meets again for those discussion meetings and they're sharing back to the overall COP. The project is just reaching the end of year one of a two-year project and we're extremely encouraged by how the project is going. We have all learned a lot from the process and we're finding great value in the collective interrogation of the overall uh, question we have around how do we um, support pre-service teachers in learning about meaningful PE. I'm now going to pass the baton to Tim, who will share a little bit about some future possibilities for meaningful PE. 
Thank you, Deirdre, and thank you, Steph. Thank you, ISEP, uh, for inviting us, and to uh, Joao and Cassandra for uh, all of the behind-the-scenes work. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, if you could progress to the next slide, I think, please, Steph. Great, thank you. So in this next part of the presentation, I'm going to offer what we think are 10 appropriate research questions to progress a research agenda around meaningful PE. Uh, this approach has been inspired by some articles that we've read in Research Quarterly and Exercise and Sport, where the top 10 research questions have been offered for things like physical literacy, TGFU, children's motivation, among several other topics. So we see this as an exercise in problem posing and or agenda setting. Uh, we also want to acknowledge the work of Steph and Alex Becky, who provided several other pathways for the future of meaningful PE in the pre-conference seminar that we did for the ISEP uh, 2021 conference, a virtual conference that was supposed to be in Banff. So the first set of questions uh, that we think are of value, this is in no particular order, um, focuses on children's experiences of meaningful PE when implemented in K to 12 school settings. So for the first question, to this point, most of the work on meaningful PE in schools and with children has been fairly short term, with the exception of the cohort of 12 teachers across two years in Ontario. It's also been conducted in Western English speaking contexts. So we see a real need to expand what we know about meaningful PE based on its implementation over extended periods, so beyond one school year and across different cultural contexts. So this would include continuing to conduct research in, for example, countries that we've already looked at, such as Canada and Ireland, but focusing more intently on things like urban settings, First Nations and Indigenous communities, and so on and so forth. Uh, but there's a real need for implementation across global contexts. The second question, in a similar way, most of our knowledge has come from implementation in single units of work, such as a unit on games, a unit on gymnastics, or a unit on cycling. Uh, but what might meaningful PE look like when used by the same teacher across different units, different content areas? And how might those things change according to a change in content? How might children's experiences of meaningfulness change through different uh, content that they experience or engage with? The third question extends beyond the immediate context of physical education, where we might think about children's experiences of PE lessons or units and so on. And we think we should be asking about the ways in which meaningful PE impacts children's physical activity participation beyond the school. So this might involve using apps such as MyMove, which looks at the different ways that children engage in movement outside of school and then is fed back to the physical education teachers to use and understand. But we really want to encourage thinking about ways that physical education, when there is a focus on meaningfulness, opens the door to children's personal playgrounds in their local communities. So for the fourth question, uh, with this one, we want to continue focusing on children's experiences, but shift to consider the features of meaningful PE that Steph referenced earlier in the presentation. Although we've seen evidence to support the presence of five features that Steph spoke about that arose from the 2017 literature review, we think there is value in expanding the scope of those features that contribute to children expressing something as meaningful. So in that lit review, we found evidence for five features, but this is not to say that uh, that is all there is. And we've been very careful to try emphasizing that the five features provide a good starting point for discussions, but we don't think that they're an exhaustive list or inventory. So what other things do children refer to when describing a PE experience as meaningful? So we imagine things like self-expression, creativity, sense of adventure, and or health benefits, particularly for older children, might be lurking out there in the minds and bodies of many participants, but seeking out evidence of those things is an important part of a research agenda. This might prov provide teachers with a wider understanding of the things that children find meaningful in their PE or physical activity experience and from which to build further experiences. The fifth question, we're still sticking with the K to 12 setting, but we feel that there is a need to look at more closely at the secondary school context. Much of our work to date has focused on primary and elementary grades. So how might meaningful PE be similar or different in secondary schools? How might things be dampened or amplified or changed in their implementation according to the different setting? 
And what are the possibilities that come from potentially greater room for manoeuvre, arguably, in terms of autonomy support or making connections to local communities? So Dr. Jody Harding-Kuriger has looked at this for her PhD thesis at the University of Alberta recently. So there may be some insights to keep an eye out for in the near future, but there's still a lot of space to move in that secondary context in terms of meaningful PE. For number six, another pedagogical aspect that we've been wrestling with is assessment in meaningful PE. And the recent work of uh, Lisa Taylor and colleagues from Monash uh, on assessment in physical literacy we think offers a helpful guide, particularly in terms of what we might need to be cautious of in assessing meaningfulness. In particular, we think that assessment as and for learning will probably be best suited, focusing particularly on the role of self-assessment, but this remains speculative at the moment. For question seven, we keep our focus on the K-12 context, but recommend looking away from immediate, uh, schools immediately and toward the curriculum or policy context. So recently we've been speaking to some teachers in different international communities about how, how they see meaningful PE aligning with their local curriculum policy documents. And in essence, this is related to their sense making of both meaningful PE and the curriculum documents that they use. So this work can and should continue as we carry an assumption that meaningfulness is often implicit in many of these documents but it could be made explicit in a teacher's practice. So using discourse analysis might be quite beneficial in order to identify whether our assumptions are upheld, or as we ask in question seven, in what ways do curricula or policies make meaningfulness explicit in the physical education curriculum? Question eight, we shift our focus away from K to 12 settings and moving to those LAMP and PEAT settings, which is where our research began originally. And we're seeing some expansion in how teacher educators use the pedagogical principles of LAMP that we've outlined with pre-service teachers, looking at different emphases, interpretations, and so on. So we're gaining new knowledge about different systemic affordances and constraints in teacher education that teacher educators have to grapple with as they implement LAMP. One large gap in our knowledge is addressed in this question, where we ask about how pre-service teachers use what they have learned about meaningful PE in their PEAT programs and take it with them into teaching positions in schools following graduation. We might think about things like washout or the role of innovative schools and their effects. So this question is essentially encouraging the tracking of graduates beyond the completion of their PEAT programs to understand how they stay with or lose meaningful PE when in schools and the reasons for those shifts. Question nine, we still stick with the PEAT context and up to this point, implementation of LAMP has tended to be at the individual course level or module level. However, at Mary Immaculate College where Deirdre is based, for example, it is being used across the PEAT program. So descriptions of these and other programs that use LAMP across modules and where LAMP forms the conceptual framework for a PEAT program, it would be helpful to know what is required by teacher educators, what's easy, what's difficult, and so on, so that others might be able to learn from these examples to begin implementing the ideas in their own PEAT programs. Uh, the work of Gervich, Metzler and colleagues at Georgia State University, and more recently, Mutz Hordvik and colleagues, when uh, in each case they shared how they use models-based practice as a framework for their PEAT program, those would be useful references in how we might generate this type of research and knowledge. And it also links to the previous question, number eight, where we asked about things that facilitate or hinder graduates' abilities to carry ideas about meaningful PEAT with them into schools following graduation. Question number 10, uh, based on Deirdre's presentation about the MISE or Meaningfulness in Youth Support Project, for this question, we return to some of the big basic questions that we had when we initially began working around Meaningful PE, but now we apply this to the youth sports setting. So specifically, what do children think of an approach that prioritizes meaningfulness in youth sport? And so from that sort of big and very broad question, we might begin to ask about parents' experiences or interpretations of their children's experiences, coaches' experiences, and also administrators' opinions in that same area. And now uh, we've posed our questions to you. We say thank you very much for listening and attending, and we're happy now to entertain any questions that you might have for us.
Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Stephanie, Dirge, and Trin for your brilliant presentation and for sharing your uh, experience with us. We have already uh, a couple of questions here. The first one uh, came from Nigel Green. Uh, hello, Nigel. Um, how does uh, meaningful physical education differ from high quality physical education? Uh, I would go also with the question made by uh, Lars and Lars said, recently a physical education master student asked me if he could choose meaningful physical education for an assignment that they had to do around designing a series of lessons based on existing instructional model for physical education, as for example, teaching games for understanding, sport education, cooperative learning. Uh, Lars said that it was existent. Uh, question, to what extent do you consider uh, meaningful physical education as an instructional model? So two questions by now. Uh, okay, team, would you like me to take on the, I'll try and take on the first one. Um, and sorry, Joel, you might have to remind me about the second one, but I know it was uh, Lars' question. So the first yeah. one from, from Nigel, how does it, how does it differ around um, high quality physical education? So we've had, yeah. uh, thanks for that question, Nigel. We've had a similar question from um, several other people. Um, isn't this just good pedagogy, good practice. Uh, we would say that the elements of good pedagogy, high quality instruction and so on are uh, embedded in meaningful PE. However, what we think differs is the explicit focus on meaningfulness. Um, you could have very good uh, high quality instruction in physical education and meaningfulness is not uh, really present on the teacher's agenda. Um, it might be there as an, uh, as an implicit um, priority. It might not be a priority at all. Um, as one example, you could have a teacher who focuses very much on students' fitness but uses good pedagogical practices like um, small grouping, for example, uh, lots of feedback uh, and practice opportunities, other things that might make up a good quality um, uh, teachers practice, but there is no attention to the meaningfulness of the experiences. So we would say it does uh, include those aspects, but that prioritization of meaningfulness is what we think makes our approach sort of distinct uh, and not just a synonym um, for, um, for high quality teaching. Thank you, Tim. The second question uh, was, to what extent do you consider uh, meaningful physical education to be an instructional model, like sport education model or teaching games for understanding? Thanks, Joe. Um, I'll give a go at answering this one. So uh, we have resisted any suggestions that meaningful P might work as an instructional model because uh, we think of the models like sports education as something that you, you might use for a unit and then maybe not use for the next unit. Uh, so it's something you turn on and turn off. Whereas we would see meaningful PE as a more overall approach, um, almost like a, a philosophical positioning, a, a foundational guide to decision making. Um, and in positioning it, we see it as probably more similar to the activist approach that Kim Oliver and David Kirk uh, have framed. So more an approach than a, a specific instructional model. I think it is technically possible to use meaningfulness as a guide within one unit of work. Um, but from our experience with teachers, once you start looking at your practice this way, it's less likely that you'll turn the tap off and forget about meaningfulness for the, for the next unit. So um, we're not anti-model, um, but we think that maybe this is a, a bigger guiding idea rather than uh, a specific approach within a unit of work. But we do think that it's possible 
to use ideas related to meaningful PE within a model. Um, so there are lots of ideas, for example, within sport education that line up very well with the ideas of meaningful PE, affiliation, social interaction, uh, you know, the ideas of personal challenge, working as a group towards improved motor competence. So we don't see them as in any way in opposition, um, just that meaningful PE is an approach rather than an instructional model. Thank you, Dirk. Very, very clear your answer also. Uh, Mark has two questions for you. Uh, he made a, a comment before. He said, uh, great interest for uh, physical education future. Meaningful physical education is important because it's supposed to bring students something that they should be able to use, apply, or be outside of the gym. Questions. One, there are several axes of actions to propose meaningful physical education. Do you have examples of these potential orientations? And the second question is, do you consider the real impact of what meaningful physical education brings to the students, like accountability? And Marx, uh, thanks for your research and for your presentation. I can, I can repeat the, the question <laughs> if you want. Uh, I can the see first... it there in the, in the chat. Okay. Um, Mark, what, um, can you just explain what you mean by axes of actions, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, when you speak about meaningful uh, physical education, it means that physical education lessons should bring something to the students that, could, that, that, can, that, that they can use outside the gym. It's my uh, understanding of that approach, as uh, the other uh, explained. And I totally agree with that concept. But of course, a physical education teacher could bring many things uh, that the students can use outside the gym. And do you have example of these different axes or dimensions that uh, meaningful PE teacher could proposed to the to the students great thanks mark um steph i don't want to put you on the spot but i, I just know that steph had done a lot of that type of work with the students that she worked with so steph are you able to provide some examples um please yeah absolutely um i think i'll speak for myself <laughs> as a, a teacher particularly using meaningful pe in my practice to me um that piece of of the especially the personal relevance piece where the students are able to see the ways that what they're learning and experiencing in physical education is able to connect to other aspects of their lives outside of PE. To me, I see that very holistically in the sense that they may, they will, I hope, develop physical skills that will help them be active outside of PE and other contexts where they can they can transfer their motor skill competence and development into other physical activity contexts and settings. Um, but I think there's also potential for it to be more than just physical where there can be some of that social and emotional learning. And in my experience, the students are often more likely to, to maybe start by drawing connections to physical skills and eventually move towards seeing those connections in other ways where um, particularly for students who maybe aren't as, as active. Like if you've got a student who plays basketball competitively outside of school, they may initially look at connecting everything to basketball, but oftentimes um, they're very keen to see connections to, you know, when, when I'm doing this in physical education, I have to cooperate with others and I can see how cooperation is a skill that I will use in other areas of my life now and in the future. So what I think um, there's potential for them to learn physical skills, cognitive skills, as well as social and emotional development and see those connections outside of physical education. One of the things that can be challenging, I think, from a pedagogical perspective is working with the students to be able to see uh, close connections, things that affect their lives now, today, rather than 30 years from now, I may be able to use something that I learned in PE. 
Um, but I, I hope that that gets to what you're asking there in terms of those axes of actions. But um, definitely, I think there's a, a sort of a broad range of ways that we can help students see those connections to broader aspects of their lives. Mm -hmm. If I might just jump in as well, something that uh, Andy Vasily um, did, did really well, we think, was to to use cycling as a content area, um, you know, and that just opened up the, the spaces, the physical spaces that children had access to in their local communities. This was something that they could do after school with their family, with their friends. And as part of the physical education class, they would take them to different uh, community locations, you know, here's how you might engage in cycling here. So um, in terms of the skill transfer, it was also this sort of contextual transfer, like we might be doing this in our school, but here are some spaces in our local community. So for example, if, if a new skateboard park has opened up close by, maybe then there's a community connection um, that can be made so that students can see, or oh, this is actually something that I could do after school or on the weekend and that I have relatively easy access to might not cost, um, you know, huge amounts of money and, and that I can access fairly quickly. So that, that might be another example um, that uh, someone else has used. Yep. If, if I can react, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it, it's interesting because there is a large variety of activities that uh, a PE teacher can do in this way. And then uh, I was asking my question just to know if you had like uh, 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 different dimensions, different access already uh, identified to help uh, teachers to act in different ways. That it's, it's, it was my, the reason of my question. Can I come in? I, I don't know if it answers your question um, completely, uh, Mark, but uh, we, we lean very heavily on the writings of Scott Kretschmer, and he uh, emphasised the idea of depth, um, and I think it relates to another question that Mel Hamada has asked. So he encourages longer units of work that allow for a deep, a richer experience in, in one activity. Um, and he, he proposes that if you have a really deep, rich experience in one activity, then there's probably maybe a better chance of you looking for that kind of experience in another activity later, um, rather than a, a jumping around a shallow type experience in, in multiple activities. Um, and we do have an idea that we're, we're playing with that we haven't really developed, but um, this idea of, of using um, within the assessment framework of PE that teachers might promote this kind of deep connected experience through like a series of badges or something, you know, where you work in PE and outside PE towards a, a longer term goal that you've identified. Um, and, and, and I guess a recent paper by Justin O'Connor and colleagues where they're talking about the categories of, of physical activities that we think about. So tying into all those kind of activities, but trying to get that combination of depth uh, within an experience. So you know what that rich experience feels like in combination without losing some breath so that you have an understanding of the range of activities. Thank you, Dirge. We have some more comments and questions. I, I thank you also to, to the colleagues for, for making these questions and comments. Um, Yoshiri Okade wants to know if, uh, asks is, uh, if uh, is value-based education same with meaningful physical education in the context of meaningful physical education? Um, and uh, Joan Hill from University of Bedshire asks, what is the team's perspectives on using meaningful concepts in adult physical activity? That is, uh, where there is no pedagogical relationships. Uh, she is thinking in fitness classes, self-directed physical, uh, physical activity, like going for a run. I also make uh, my own question. Uh, based on your experience, what are the differences that you find 
in meaningful experiences in physical education and youth sport, because you have a project specific in youth sport and these are uh, different contexts. Is it the same? Are there any simil similarities? Of course there are, but are there any differences? We'll spin the roulette wheel and see which question we, we land on there <laughs> um, from those three. Um, uh, to go to, uh, well, I, I'll just start off with Yoshinori's question and then um, Stefan Deirdre, if you want to um, maybe uh, attend to the second and third questions, you're welcome to. Um, in terms of value-based education, uh, it's not something that we've considered um, explicitly um, in terms of like value orientations, we know like the work of Kathy Ennis um, around that. Uh, certainly there is some uh, overlap. There's, I mean, I mean, the term meaningful is such a big and broad concept, like Kretschmar's definition of meaning is that it encompasses everything. So it's impossible to, uh, to sort of distinguish it from so many other uh, similar concepts. So we would say that it, uh, that it probably is embedded. There are certain aspects of it that, it is, that are embedded within our approach, but uh, I must admit that we haven't, um, we haven't really looked at that specifically, um, but there is probably uh, quite a lot in there that, that we could. Our approach um, is one approach. It's not the only approach. There are a lot of different ways to interpret meaningfulness and to operationalize it. Um, and so that's just the, the way that we've done it. But um, yes, sorry about that, uh, Yoshinori. It's a good question and something that we might uh, take up a bit later. Yeah, I was just going to go to the second question there um, from Joanne about teens' perspectives on, or sorry, our perspectives on using meaningfulness concepts in adults as far as me. Um, obviously, I'll speak from my own perspective because I don't know that we've ever actually talked about together, but um, I certainly see connections there, especially in terms of me as an adult in my own physical activity. And I think that uh, diving into ideas about meaningfulness has changed the way that I reflect on and think about my own physical activity. Um, so I think there's definitely uh, the potential for that, but it's obviously a different context, um, as you've said there, where there is, there's not that pedagogical relationship and there's not necessarily even a, a movement programmer who is leading a lot of these activities, self-directed things and so forth. But I know with my own students, um, which is not adult physical activity, but I've made a real effort to, to use the features of meaningful experiences as a shared language to draw their attention to trying to identify some of the things that make their physical activity experiences meaningful or not, so that they can hopefully be a little bit more self-directed outside of PE and whatnot and inside of PE um, with trying to shape the quality of those experiences. And I'm thinking of a time where I had a student who was competing in a cross-country event, so it was completely unrelated to physical education and uh, was kind of struggling with finding meaning in running um, and wanted to participate for some reasons, but wasn't really, was thinking that maybe they didn't want to do it this year. And so we just had, a, I just had a conversation with this student about looking at the features of meaningful experiences and identifying what used to make running enjoyable for you. Why is it not enjoyable anymore? What's missing? What's happening? And to filter that experience experience through that concept and so and then I, I did not follow up with the student again and they did participate in cross country but afterwards I heard from my student's parents that um, that, that that student who was a high I think they were in high school at the time had taken that conversation we had and developed a plan based on the features of meaningful experiences to reflect on why running used to be fun why it's not fun anymore and sort of what they could do to get back to that place of finding meaning and running. 
And so they came up with this plan for how they would challenge themselves and bringing social interaction into, I run with my dad now and these types of things. And um, the student came back to me later and, you know, just talked about finding meaning and running again and how it was a really wonderful experience. And they kept running beyond that. But I'm just saying that as an example to think of, I think there's a lot of potential there to give even adults the tools to reflect on what does and doesn't make uh, movement in different contexts meaningful and to potentially, you know, to be self-directed and being able to say what makes it work for me. I know I need the social interaction piece. So I need to find a friend who wants to be active with me or join a running club or whatever it might be. So I, I, I don't know how we would reach people in self-directed contexts with some of these ideas, but I, I personally think there's definitely potential um, for that to be useful in some way. Thank you very much, Stephanie. We have uh, four more minutes and two more questions. Let's see. Uh, Nathan Walker uh, asks, uh, says, I'm really interested in exploring democratic pedagogies. I've read your suggestions around voice and choice in lessons, which is great. Are your thoughts on this area concerned with both choice autonomy in lessons and students' voice in curriculum unit design? So this is the, the first question, and I'm trying to find the last one from Dennis. Uh, based on your experiences, what is the best way? Uh, is there a specific strategies to teach press service teachers to use uh, meaningful physical education in their practices? Thanks, Joe. Um, so yeah, first, Nathan, congratulations on your award. Um, so yes, uh, we see massive potential for the use of democratic and reflective pedagogies in a secondary school context. Um, in terms of work, I'd steer you to the work of NY and O'Sullivan as a great starting point. Uh, very recently, uh, Donald Howley, so Howley, Dyson, et al. Um, have done um, some specific, and I know it's open access, uh, looking at meaningful PE alongside social emotional learning ideas, which line up very well with democratic ideas. So they'd be two great places to start. Uh, for Denise, yes, um, we uh, have lots of ideas around this. Um, obviously the land paper is a great place to start. Um, in terms of highlight pedagogies, uh, for our students, definitely the teacher educator modeling the approach uh, is really important where the students get to be the learners and get to feel and experience uh, what it looks like and feels like. So what does meaningful PE look like as a participant? Um, we find using contrasting experiences can be really great. Um, so, you know, where you place a really strong emphasis on health and fitness and then contrast where you uh, instead emphasize the quality of the individual experience. So they feel the difference between the different approaches um, to be really useful. Uh, using uh, John Lochran's idea of talking the decisions of your teaching out loud was a foundational to them understanding meaningful PE. Um, and finally, we suggest the features of Meaningful PE as a really accessible starting point to develop a language with them so that they can start talking about the quality of their experiences. Um, and as Declan Hamlin, one of our colleagues, talked about recently, extending what the language of PE is beyond kind of performative uh, physical competence type language. And um, Tim, Steph, I don't know if you want to add to that uh, quick fire list. No, I think the, the modeling and the sort of thinking aloud and um, really articulating uh, how in particular those, those features, I think for students, they find them really um, accessible as Deirdre said. So, you know, ways that you can um, heighten an experience by focusing on, for example, social interaction. So if we're doing a target game task, I might say to students, okay, so while you are here, 
waiting for your turn. What would you be doing while you're waiting your turn if you're playing golf with friends or if you've gone 10 pin bowling with friends? You know, you're not going to be doing shuttle runs while you're waiting your turn. That's, that doesn't really make sense. What you're doing is you're interacting with people that you're there with. So let's heighten that. Let's find out something that each of our colleagues, um, we couldn't find out from their social media page. So it forces that interaction. And then after the experience, they're able to say, okay, that social aspect really uh, made that something memorable. It made it better than it probably could have been or would have been had you not highlighted social interaction. So using those features to sort of uh, make something different, uh, make something amplified, uh, those types of things, uh, that's the feed, some of the feedback um, that we've had as well. So I'd agree with Deirdre there. Thank you very much. In the name of IESEP, Stephanie, Tim, and Dirge, thank you very much. Thank you to all colleagues that attended and participated in this event. Definitely, as Mark said, uh, meaningful physical education is, is very important for physical education and for youth sport. Uh, thank you for bringing your experience, your insights and the answers uh, given to the colleagues. Such a good way to spend one hour uh, and taking a coffee and a chat with you all. Thank you very much. Please connect it to, keep connected to IESEP. Wish you all a nice Friday and a nice weekend. All the best for you. Thank you.